Hello, and welcome to Euromoney at COP27. My name is Marianne Gro, sustainable finance reporter at Euromoney magazine, and your host for this podcast. Over the next two weeks, I'll be sharing the latest news and views from the UN Climate Change Conference in Sharm el-Sheikh. It's day three of the conference in Sharm el-Sheikh, and I'm meeting up with Marcus Mueller, Chief Investment Officer at Deutsche Bank Private Wealth, to discuss capital investments into nature-based solutions. Merging the climate and biodiversity agendas is one of the key targets at this year's COP. And for Marcus, the conversation has matured significantly since Glasgow. Well, welcome to the podcast, Marcus. How are you? Assalamu alaikum. I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Do you speak Arabic? Yes, I do speak Arabic. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned at university. Oh. It's very helpful at COP27, for sure. Kaifa haluk. Alhamdulillah. Wa anta kifak. I don't know. I just speak a little <laughs> bit. <so>. <laughs> <laughs> it's I very useful one, for. Uh, I started one year ago. Really? Yes, yes. Wow, that's amazing. I wanted to learn a new language, and yeah. I found it beautiful, especially the writing. And mm-hmm. then it coincided with with COP. Yeah, that's crazy. Are you learning Fosha or Amiya? As in written Arabic or spoken Arabic? Written Arabic. Nice. Written Arabic. Also with the vowels and so on. Yes. It's now a little bit complicated, but yes. It's also not the easiest to use no, in Egypt. No, it's not, but, but it trains also <laughs> the mind a little bit. <laughs> so it's uh, day three of COP27 and day two of the Implementation Summit. How are you yes. finding it so far? You know, I find this quite, quite impressive. But I had the same impression also last year at COP26 in Glasgow. Um, and I'm astonished then to read, especially the press in Europe and in Germany, because they are so negative. But what I see on the ground especially when I talk with representatives of the developing countries or emerging markets from the big island states, as we call them, so the small island states. And with business representatives, there's a lot of things going on. And therefore, I'm quite positive. But I don't want to ignore the challenges we all have, but we are all in the same boat. But overall, I have to say the mood is positive, um, but everyone recognizes the action must happen really now. Yes, I suppose people are quite negative because they're worried about pledges not being met with actual action. So how are you finding that the rhetoric might have changed this year? So we have to wait, Um, but I see more emotions, far more emotions coming, especially from the Global South. And you've seen this yesterday also at the open ceremony and everyone who is talking is really saying, we know everything. We know what we have to do. We know what is at stake. Why don't we start now implementing it? And there is then a pushback from local to global, from global to local. Um, And, you know, the search for just one solution won't succeed. So there are many, many solutions and we have to start in parallel on many things. And this is a cumbersome process, especially for societies. And what I've heard from the um, developing countries and emerging markets, they are really disappointed and, and they really suffer with the fur mines caused by the war on the one side. Then on the other side, we have the problems really with the weather extremes. And we completely forget sometimes that nature happens locally, that people acting locally. And this is a discussion we now need to have to implement the actions locally. And the pledges made um, last year of the 100 billion annual um, financing. So the, the, the countries want to see where the money is, right? We have seen from Germany um, further commitments yesterday um, on Monday, um, which is great. But I understand the countries who are seeking for pledges good, 
but what is a concrete action? <laughs> so we're here to talk about biodiversity. So can, tell me, why is COP27 important for biodiversity? So we've missed all IHE biodiversity goals, right? Um, and therefore, the biodiversity topic is becoming more and more important, not just for the COP15, so for the biodiversity COP, which happens then in December in Montreal in Canada, so the second part, the first part, um, did already happen. But we need to think this together. We won't be able to combat climate change without dealing with degradation of nature as a whole. And biodiversity is one important part of it. And let me briefly explain it to you. Biodiversity happens in habitats like forests and just of the combination between the biodiversity, so the living animals and the fauna, mm -hmm. we really create these ecosystem services the humans do need as an input factor for the economic output process. And this is a challenge we really have. And therefore it must be thought together on the one side, this must happen now. Africa, a continent who is highly dependent on biodiversity and also on coastline and on the ocean. And on the other side, it's a preparation, in my point of view, of bringing the COPs closer together. And um, yeah, we will see, hopefully, clear pledges we will have to adhere to then in December in Montreal. You mentioned the 100 billion target that we have yet to see. So what is the role of the private sector and then perhaps more specifically the banking sector in promoting nature-based solutions and biodiversity? Yeah, so the banking sector acts as an intermediary, as an intermediary, A, to reduce asymmetric information. So the, the, the counterparts on the one on the other side, they need to trust each other. And a bank can mitigate this potential mistrust or this asymmetric distributed information. So, for instance, about the quality, about the guarantees, etc. So, mm -hmm. point number one. Point number two, the financial sector can reroute the money in these directions where the money has to flow based on KPIs. So, this is something what the financial sector can do really in a nutshell. It's far more complex, but I would bring it to the, the following point. The banking sector, financial sector, has the chance to act as agent of positive change and a sector who facilitates the multiple needs and to bring the people, the parties, more or less together. But we, we still haven't seen that much capital commitment going into nature-based solutions. So yeah. why do you think that is? Why, is? why is it so difficult to streamline investment into nature-based solutions? We, we, are still <clears throat> we are still there to understand this, right? So we we not banking, we as a global village, we still work on our understanding, on our environmental literacy. We have been focusing on climate for so long. And now everyone is accepting that this climate change, more or less everyone is accepting <laughs> that this climate change is happening. On the biodiversity side, it's still something which is not tangible. So what the people still can't really see on the one side. And it's difficult to measure. So therefore, I really advocate for not thinking just about the living creatures. I say we have to discuss this and to protect them and to evaluate them in context of their habitats, like forest, peatland, wetland, ocean, etc. And then just together, we will be able to protect them, we will be able to support them, and we will be able to put finance into this direction. And let me be clear, the finance is not needed just for protection. 
The finance is also needed for protection and development because the local communities who are heavily dependent on the local biodiversity and on the, on the vitality of nature locally need also an alternative to their current life. Mm -hmm. If we don't find a way as a global village, as a global community to give an alternative to the current economic model, we won't make this change happen. And the alternative is giving nature a place in our economic decision-making process. Um, the cynics among us would argue that everyone who already cynics. believes in <laughs> climate change is at COP27, but the real challenge is convincing sort of the other 90%. Um, what are the conversations like with your clients at Deutsche Bank? We will publish our second ESG client survey, investor survey, which we conducted across all client segments globally. And here we will have a very interesting finding. Do you already have the results? 78%. Believe, believe in ESG or Believe allocating? in ESG, believe in ESG, and then the details um, are to be discussed. It's dependent on the region, whether it's biodiversity or climate change, because as I said, it happens locally. And if you think at ESG as a whole, in Asia, it's really the governance structure because it's a growing, growing economy. In Europe, it's environment. And in the US, it's a question of social dimension, how to, in, how to include the different parts of society. So you see that it's a kind of the problems which we have in the various regions, which really form the agenda of transformation towards mm -hmm. more sustainability. But um, the clients overall, they are positive, but you know, they want to see, they want to see the details, they want to see the definitions, they want to understand where they're putting their money. Yes. And this is something where we all have to work on, on the transparency, on the framework. At the same time, we have the challenge that we don't, can afford to wait too long because the degradation happens further. So therefore, it starts really with Literacy, environmental mm -hmm. literacy, education. This is also one of my job as an economist. I talk about this importance, the systemic value of nature. We have to acknowledge that at the beginning of such a transformation, it's not easy to invest in such a new topic, right? And then based on this knowledge, we have to develop the solutions. And the solutions will be first for governments, first for institutional investors before they become available for private investors, but then they will be also available for private investors. But at the beginning, it's important to have the consciousness mm -hmm. about the topic in place because everyone can change a little bit. And this goes beyond investments. And then we will automatically also see that this is reflected in investments in the end because it's about us. Yes. Um, another big biodiversity topic that's coming up at COP is the nature credits and biodiversity yeah. credits. So where are we on the development of those credits and the development of the markets that could support them? So I would say the biodiversity or nature credits are very nascent. Mm -hmm. um, the carbon credits are not anymore as nascent, but we see the discussion between the sovereign carbon credit market and the voluntary carbon credit market. So this is one thing what we need to sort out. Um, and we have a very important discussion at COP27 about um, the details of Article 6 from the Paris Agreement. So, um, on my, I've read this Article 6 and I think it's already very clear, mm -hmm. but many people really maybe haven't read it in, in this detail and we, we need to get the understanding about the carbon credits, about what Paris allows. On the other side, I think we need a framework overall 
and it's maybe a national framework, how to deal with carbon credits um, to, to make it transparent. What, what is it and what is it not? And I also think we need the sovereign carbon credits for sure, because the countries who own the global commons, the forest and nature, need the money in order to make the transition happening. So this goes back to the beginning of our speech. Where's the money, right? Mm. So, and this could be one, one method, one mechanism to reroute, redirect the money into the countries because they have assets. We do not evaluate the assets right now. And on the other side, we need the voluntary carbon credit market, but in a differently organized manner that it's complementary to the sovereign carbon credit market because we can't just afford to have one tool. We need multiple strategies, but they must be complementary, transparent, honest, and understandable. So what are you expecting from the negotiations on Article 6 at COP? That we will see more and more details about um, UNFCCC Red Plus and how countries and companies can work with the sovereign carbon credits. I expect more details about the corresponding adjustment. Um, and this is really what we now need. But then, again, we need to beef up our understanding about what it is. It's complex. It's fairly complex. And um, I will discuss with some people um, about this, what they have to do to create this transparency, because we need a little bit better marketing. And I don't mean and with marketing to sell this, I rather mean with marketing the literacy part of it as well. It's a complete new, new market. And if we think about how many years did we spend at university to understand the current old economic model, now we are at the verge for embarking a pathway towards a new economic model. So what it means is huge new knowledge, huge yes. new acceptance. And this is something where we need this dialectical process, a discussion, because just based on discussion, we find our way forward. If we fight, if we ignore, it's maybe not so good. <laughs> so it, does that mean that banks now have to hire scientific experts? <clears throat> oh, for sure. For sure. We need this. So, um, but not just banks, every company. <laughs> so we need to understand the, the environment we're acting in and how then the systemic value can be addressed and calculated and this is a cooperation so SDG 17 <laughs> and this is what our companies our banks do need really I want to go back to the carbon markets for a second the, the credits um, when we talk about this hundred billion I think the OECD says that 84 billion has been committed and only 14 to 16 percent is coming from the private sector. Mm. Are carbon credits a way to get more private capital invested into nature-based solutions? Yes, for sure. So, um, but the important thing about carbon credits at this point in time, sovereign carbon credits um, especially, I would say, is that the developing and emerging countries can reduce their cost of implementing the NDC, so their nationally determined commitments, by up to 50 percent according to World Bank. And this is something which is important, especially in times where we have a high US dollar or high evaluated US dollar, where we have macroeconomic stress. So they, they need this money and this can come through this channel. And then secondly, if we think about the assets again in these countries, these are natural assets and natural assets are automatically nature-based solutions. If you take a coral reef, a coral reef can't absorb really carbon because corals 
are not uh, um, carbon is an enemy of corals, if you want. But a coral reef as a nature-based solution absorbs 90% of wave energy. If you have a healthy coral reef, you have healthy biodiversity there. The healthy biodiversity can act then as a carbon sink because sharks are living from the creatures in the coral reef. Sharks are eating the turtles who are eating the seagrass. The seagrass is a very important mechanism for storing the carbon in the soil. So this is a little bit the thinking, the thinking about the nature-based solution. I see. But isn't there a risk that um, if we have governments and states involved in these projects that the capital issued from the credits isn't going back to the local community? Yeah, so this is what we need to make sure. And we need also trust to a certain degree in the, in the governments, right? And in the local communities, because nature happens locally. People do live locally. They know what they need. They know what's going on. And this is something what we, what we have to appreciate more. And maybe we can help the governments to get this. We need transparency, of course, but these are sovereigns. And per its word, they, they, they have sovereignty. Yeah. And, and if they own the sovereignty about their commons, which we are using in the global north, come on, we will find a way how to cooperate in order that the money flows really into the direction of the local communities. I don't say that it's simple, but it's possible. In terms of uh, biodiversity and also the ocean as key themes of this conference, there are specific days allocated to yeah. those themes. Are there any events that you're looking forward to that maybe our listeners should know about and look out for? Yeah, so uh, many things are now happening right now already. So today I'm talking about ocean. Um, yesterday we talked about debt for nature swaps. It's a very important topic. So hydrogen, green hydrogen really as an alternative to, to other renewable energy sources is, is very important. But um, we also see uh, discussions around the carbon credits <laughs> to go back to this again. And this, this, these points for me are tools on the one side that for nature swaps, carbon credits is an important discussion point. Then the sources for energy is an important point and then the foundation which is nature which is the place of nature in our economy marcus thank you so much for participating in the podcast and i it look was forward to seeing you around at cop 27 thank you thank you very much shukran